There are people out there who don't just celebrate Halloween with trick-or-treat candy. This is a religious holiday to them. This is something that is holy and sacred, and they are taking innocent human life. I can't say, go ahead and have Halloween fun. It doesn't matter if you're participating in Halloween, even if you're not a Satanist, you know, if it's just for fun. No, because these Satanists are using this as a smokescreen. I'm Freddy Krueger and I'm here to say I love Satan Rock in the major way. What's gonna happen on the show today? Will it be a shit story or is that gay? Maybe a guest appearance with Wacker Lee or video game news with Jeffrey. It'll be hip and it'll be cool. Kids don't take drugs and stay in school or you might end up like Trucker Paul. Freddy's out. Lick my balls. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, E. Simon. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Happy Halloween, Kate Rambo. And to everyone, happy Halloween to all you spooky bitches. Out happy there. Halloween to all the sick and wrong listeners out there. Yeah. <laughs> your first Halloween in the States. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it. I just love seeing all the houses decorated. People really go all out. Yeah, and you know, not as much in this neighborhood. No. In West Hollywood. Yeah, because there's a lot of apartment buildings here. But yeah. when we were walking in Beverly Hills, there was loads. There's a there's a building down the street from me, though, that kind of goes uh, all out for it. Your neighbor has some cool decals in his window. Yeah, I've, I've mm. seen it. I mean, no one does this in uh, in the UK. Well, yeah, you'll get like the odd house where people put effort in or maybe they'll like chuck some like pumpkins outside. But it's not like it is here. And there's just so much spooky shit to do. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And I mean, we kind of go into this on the second show, but we've been having this like, I would call it a Halloween bender. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's like four days. Well, I took, I took like three days off of work, but we've been going to like all these different events. So L7, I uh, went to uh, Lucha Baboom, which is uh, Lucha Libre Wrestling. So much fun. And it's all like Halloween themed. Um, it's all Merciful Fate. And yeah. then uh, tomorrow we're going to Universal Horror Nights, which is, yeah, that's the thing with, uh, with, with Los Angeles. There's almost too much to do. Yeah, I get that. And then you get the Every FOMO. Weekend. Well, yeah. And like, I mean, normally I wouldn't go out four nights in a row. <laughs> I'm too old to be going out four <laughs> nights in a row. Today has been a brutal hangover. Oh, rather hungover. Rather hungover. But, well, we still probably could go trick-or-treating tonight. We could. We're a little bit old for that. You know, I was thinking, just because I'm a short man. <laughs> yeah. If I just wore a sheet, I could probably be a ghost or a Klansman or something. I was going to say, put on a little pointy white hood, and then <laughs> there's your costume. Maybe I'll be a ghost of a Klansman. Oh, yeah, dead Klansman. I'm surprised Quentin Tarantino has not made that film yet. I think that would go over really well in this neighborhood. <laughs> I think it would. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what would happen if you went trick-or-treating in uh, Carlisle? Uh, I don't think much would happen. I think they either wouldn't answer the door or you would. they would just say, you're too old, fuck off. Or, yeah, probably. Well, do people, what would, yeah, what are they going to give you? I remember, like, I've only ever been trick-or-treating like Maltese, twice. Huh? A little Maltese for you there. No, we got money. Oh, you when get I went, money when you trick-or-treated? When I was a kid, we would get money, like 20 pence or whatever. Well, you would trick-or-treat in Penrith. Did, like, you dress up? Yeah, I dressed up as a vampire one year. I remember it because it was also the year where I cut my hair really short. I had, like, a bob hairdo, like, you know, bobbed hair. Did someone call you a little boy? 
<laughs> I did look like a little boy because I <laughs> have a touch chim- of the Matt Damon about me. <laughs> little chimney sweep. A little chimney sweep. I suppose I looked <laughs> like a chimney sweep, but I just had like some blood around my mouth. But it was the last time I went trick or treating. It must have been like 11. I think that's the cutoff. Well, I think you can probably trick or treat until you're 14, I would say. 14, no older. I think Jewish law says after your bar mitzvah, you're done trick or treating because well, yeah, you're a man. You're a man or a woman. No, you know, I, yeah, I've only been actually, I've only been trick or treating maybe a handful of times because we moved to South Africa and I was really young. I was probably like five or six. And I'm sure we went trick or treating then. I just don't really remember. South Africa, there's no Halloween. So I didn't really do that. And by the time I came back here, I was too old. I was like in eighth grade. Yeah, that sucks, man. Eighth or ninth grade. I do recall, though, that first year I moved here, I was excited about it. And I I went, I dressed up as Crocodile Dundee. You did not. I did. And my brother had the hat and with the, with the, like, the The the, the crocodile teeth. Oh, my God. I love this. You know, I love Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. And that was my, well, everybody, I remember when I moved here, everybody didn't realize that South Africa and Australia were different countries. (laughs) Because they're intelligent Americans. Yes. And so they'd be like, say it. I'm like, say what? Good day, mate. I'm like, just like, but it's, that's a, I'm South African. <laughs> I'm South African. It's, <laughs> I, it's, that's Crocodile Dundee. It's, he's Australian. Say it. <laughs> it's just like, and I was like, good day, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened all the time. So I just, you know, dressed up as uh, Crocodile Dundee. And I remember I went trick or treating. Uh, with a couple friends of mine, and we had like a like a pillowcase with all, all the candy and everything, and we got jumped by like two cars. And this must have been like probably only like eight or nine at night, and two cars of like high school kids. I don't know if they were at Garber High School or if they were from like another school. Yeah, plot twist. It was yeah. Steel and Martin. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I would be surprised. But anyway, they like pulled up and just egged the shit out of all three of us, just Pelted with eggs. And then they got out of the car, pushed us down, kicked us a few times, and took our candy bags. What would have been amazing is if from out of one of your pillowcases, you just pulled out a big old machete. And you're like, no, <laughs> this is a knife, boys. Come on. <laughs> That's not a knife. This is a knife. Say it. <laughs> G'day. G'day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm South African now. <laughs> um, you know, we might. I wonder what's going I've never actually celebrate Halloween in uh in West Hollywood. But I've heard they have this like insane parade. It's almost like a Mardi Gras type thing. They block yeah. off the streets. It's a big gay parade. Everyone's drinking, everyone's partying, crazy costumes. Well we're gonna go to that tomorrow. Yeah, I think we probably can go check that out. I, I don't know if it's official or if it's just gonna be just a like a party. Because they you know the city would have the parade. And there'd usually be performances and stage set up and all that. But it, I know it was canceled for COVID. So I'm not sure if it's going on this year or not. I've, I saw a thing that said that the road is closed. So there's something popping off in West Hollywood tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, it was like the uh, like like the, the Halloween parties in the Castro back in the early aughts, which are ins- the, those were insane. Yeah. Those are good times. I mean, Wackerly went one year. I dressed up as I was dressed up as Beetlejuice, but actually in like P Town, friend of ours named Anna. They all went as Smurfs. Oh my god! It was like the shittiest Smurf costumes you've ever seen. Just wackily, the idea of wackily dressed as a Smurf. Yeah, he, he actually kind of suits it though. I must he, say, he took a T-shirt and like sewed up. You know, took like a white tee and like sewed up a pointy hat from it. 
Oh, that's clever. Yeah. No, yeah. it was like the shittiest. I'll see if I can find a picture. Well, I'm going to go as uh, Gotham Knights Batgirl to the West Hollywood Parade. What does it have to do with ham? Go- it's just goth. Goth. <laughs> I've put the infinite. Goth. Well, I could I could buy some ham and be like, I am the goth ham. Goth. And put the, the ham in Gotham. I put the ham in Gotham. Yeah, I'll just tell some dad jokes. Some hammy dad jokes. Yeah, I'm, you know, I am wondering if, uh, how packed it will be. I'm hopefully, it's not going to be as packed as uh, the Halloween party in Seoul. Did you hear about that? Uh, no. The, you know, this actually sounds like a crazy party. I didn't know that they celebrate Halloween, like, in Asian countries. Yeah, it seems like a total Western thing, doesn't it? Seems like, it, to me, Halloween is an American thing. It doesn't really exist anywhere else. Yeah, so I was reading about this. So there was a Halloween street party in Seoul. Um, where there was like this massive stampede, and yeah, 154 people died. Holy shit! Get yeah. the sun reporting. The sun needs to go down. There. Well, there <laughs> were like tens it. of thousands of people in the streets. Wow! Like to the point where you couldn't even wow. move. Um, someone said that uh, it was like a jam subway on Saturday and Saturday night. Halloween party goers packed so tightly that it was difficult to move around. And then people were on costumes, so there were people dressed up as like you know. Sexy cops. Gotham Batgirl. Yeah, well, people were coming up to him and be like, help, you know, help. And they're like, I'm not really a cop. I'm just a sexy cop. Yeah, I do love the slutty cops. There's a lot of confusion. Um, But yeah, there's like a full-on stampede. They don't know exactly, or at least I couldn't find out exactly what caused it. Um, But yeah, I guess people were going crazy. People had to climb up uh, to the second floor of buildings. Oh, wow. Try to get away from it. Um, and then afterwards, someone, uh, a 27-year-old English teacher told CNN that there were rows and rows of people with just tarps covering their bodies. Nolly. Yeah. I'm hoping that doesn't happen in uh, West Hollywood. I, ju- I just have to say this because ca- we can't not talk about people being trampled. And I'm just going to have to say it. 96 wasn't enough. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> you had to bring that up. <laughs> we were trying to have like a good show, a good, honest, decent show. And here you bring up a reference. I'm not even going to explain because the American audience is going to be like, what are you talking about? Where the British audience are like, oh, my word, I can't <laughs> believe she said that. <laughs> yeah, everyone you in know. Britain knows what I mean. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We, we might dress up tomorrow. I will because uh, we were going to dress up for Merciful Fate and then that just kind of, we didn't in the end. Dodge that bullet. You dodged that bullet. Yeah. And we didn't K- have enough time. Kate was trying to make me go as King Neil Diamond. It would have been amazing. We'll do yeah. that next year, maybe. If we go to a house party somewhere. Yeah, I just don't want to go to a show dressed up as King Diamond. Well, it was more to do with the after party. I thought, well, where were we ever going if we were going to go to like Bath Sinister or if we went to the Rainbow? There'd be tons of people in costume. Turns out there wasn't. There were a few people, though, with face makeup at that show. Yeah, there was a, there's always going to be a, a few King Diamonds. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, we went partying there last night. Yeah, too much. So hungover today. Um, but it, God, yeah. We go into detail about all this in the second show. So people, you go listen to uh, the graphic details of our four-day Halloween bender. Yeah, my poor liver, man. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to have to our recover. Liver, our wallets. <laughs> um, anyway, people, as, as, you know, people that have been listening to the show the past few weeks, you've noticed we've been doing the Spooktober Competition kind of contest. A spooky contest. Yeah, where we've covered several macabre stories over the, the, the past three episodes that inspired horror films. And so we've asked people if you can guess the name of the film inspired by the crime or the event, we'll send you a, uh, a sick and wrong tea. Uh, so last week, we covered the real life 
zombie Clervius Narcisse of Haiti that inspired the 1988 Wes Craven film, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Um, a lot of people got that one. Yeah, I'm surprised because I'd never even heard of it or seen it before. Like, it's not a Wes Craven film that you ever think of. He had, he had a few, like In the Mouth of Madness, Sam Neill. That was another one a lot of people have never seen. Yeah, that's kind of a shitty movie, though. It's though. kind of a shitty one. Yeah. This, I enjoy this movie, but I think compared to some of Wes Craven's other films, not as good. Yes, I'll go with that. That's I do good. like it, though. I, I never knew about the back, you know, what it was based on, though. I never knew the story of Claire Vias. Claire. Yeah. Oh, Paul Claire. Ago, a couple of days ago. But anyway, um, Peter was the first guy that messaged us right on DM. He DM'd me, I think, like the day the episode came out. Yeah. Like the next morning. Good for you, Peter. Um, he says, hey, DNK, been really enjoying the horror movie real life tie-in theme. Thank you there, Pete. It's giving me a uh, fun list of additional horror movies to watch. Uh, this week's story was the first time I think I actually know it. Is it Serpent in the Rainbow? Classic Bill Pullman movie. Yeah, Bill Pullman. You know, Bill Pullman doesn't really seem to age because he looks young in this, but he looks like the same when he's in Independence Day, which is maybe t- 10 years later. He's got a little bit more gray. Just a little bit more gray. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah good looking guy. Um, and he was great in this movie. Actually. I mean, he was a lot younger then. though. He, yeah, yeah, he was fun. In the 80s. So Mazel Tov, Peter, you have won yourself a sick and wrong T-shirt. So uh, definitely send me your address. Let me know your sh- your uh, your shirt size. Um, but that that pretty much concludes our uh, Spooktoberfest, except for this week, which is uh, not not based on a film. Although I think there should be a film about this person. Um, let's get into it. Kate Rambo, have you ever attended a séance? No, but I would love to because I just think it would be hilarious. Yeah, do you, they must do those in the UK. I, they do them everywhere. Well, like David Oman, who uh, owns the Oman House, which is next to um, Cielo Drive. Yeah, one zero five zero zero Cielo Drive. He um, does famous seances, and like he does one on like Sharon Tate's birthday, and he does one on the Night of the Murders. And we'll go to one one time. Does he do one on Halloween? Yeah, of course he does. I know at the the Magic Castle here in Hollywood in the Houdini room, they uh, they do a seance. Oh, to try and contact Houdini. Contact Houdini, yeah. And other spirits. Every year they do one. That's probably really fun to go to. I've been to it, but uh, it was so crowded, we were kind of like stood outside. Oh, well, that kind of sucks then. Yeah, you could hear it. Yeah, but and it's they not had, the like, same. They had it on, a, like, people were recording it. But it's not the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that is one thing I think people could do for Halloween this year. It's like, what, especially if you have young kids, because they believe it. You know, do a seance. Get the Ouija board Bust out. Bust out the Ouija board. Yeah. I got that Ozzy Osbourne Ouija board. Well, that's what we can do tomorrow night then for fun. We will have a seance. Let's have a seance. We'll try and co- actually get in touch with our dead dads. I was thinking of calling, uh, calling Harrison. We can call Harrison too if you want. Yeah. He's going to be my spirit guide. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine like a more annoying? He would be so annoyed every time you called upon him, Harrison. Like, yeah. I would like call upon him and he's like just about to like score with some like Velma... You know, uh, trans trans prostitute. And he was dressed as Velma from Scooby-Doo. He was just about to score. And then I call him from the ether. And he's just like, God damn it. Of all the people as (laughs) well. Me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, hey there, Harrison. How's it going? (laughs) We we need you to be a part of our uh, our seance. He's like, not again, you fuck. You fucking (laughs) asshole. (laughs) That would be great. Yeah, let's do it. Well, anyway... 
This week, we're going to talk about a professional medium who, uh, who was one of the 20th century's most famous showwomen. Oh. Um, her name was Helen Duncan, also known as Hellish Nell. Nice. Yeah. Um, she would shock audiences across Britain. This is like 1920s, 1930s, with her mysterious seances, during which she could produce the spirits of the dead from her own mouth in the form of a slimy substance known as ectoplasm. No, not cum, but <laughs> there might have been a little bit of that mixed in. No, but she, this is like some Ghostbusters shit. Like, she produced ectoplasm. Gross. Yeah. She would, like, slime things. It's cum. And then make them speak. It's cum. Well, that's your type of ectoplasm. It, it's, it's cum. <laughs> what else? It sounds like cum. It's looking like cum. It smells like cum. Well, we'll find out in just one minute. First, a uh, quick word about our Patreon. People, we need you to support the show on Patreon. We really do. Um, it's, it's been a rough year. It's been a rough year for everyone. But for everyone. And yeah. I understand, you know, a lot of people had to, had to temporarily uh, leave just because of a final financial situation. I get it. It sucks. Yeah. But if you can, and if you're able to afford it, obviously, there are other things you can afford, you know, for your own life that you need, the necessities. But if you manage to have an extra $5, you can get two shows. Two price of one. shows. Yeah, we get a main show we do every week, and we do it a completely second show, like a, like a, a second show. Or, um, I don't know, our Patreon show that comes out every week. Yeah, that's more like the OG sick and wrong where we're just like shooting the breeze and we'll do a new story and stuff like that. Yeah, this week we really get into uh, just there's Kate's adventures in L.A. over Halloween. Uh, yeah, my liver. Uh, we got some stories. <laughs> we saw got L7 stories. on Friday night. Um, saw Kanye West on the Metro. Yeah, on we our did. way uh, to uh, Lucha Vavum, this uh, Mexican wrestling, which was hosted by Drew Carey. He was it's there. been a very Los Angeles weekend for you. It has, and it's still not over yet. No, There's still way more food to eat. I haven't even had pie yet. I want to. Yeah, have we're some pie. we're we're in the middle of the bender. Yeah, you got to have pumpkin pie. It's Halloween. Yes, we'll have some pumpkin pie. Anyway, we go into the sordid details of uh, of Kate and my uh, Halloween bender. Um, we also do a uh, a re- review of the Merciful Fate Creator Show, which is damn good. Was, yeah, that's it the review. It was damn fucking. It was good. damn fucking it was so good. good. And L seven yeah. were amazing. And L seven well. was amazing as well. All that on the uh, Sick and Wrong Second Show for only five dollars a month, and then for a few bucks more, you get access to uh, Sick and Wrong Overkill, which is our bonus minisode, as well as the Sick and Wrong Archives, the first ten years of Sick and Wrong. Um, on SoundCloud playlists. People, if you if you appreciate us and what we do every week for the past 17 years, just sign up on the Patreon and uh, support the show. Keep it sick and wrong. Yeah. Yeah, we do appreciate it. Um, here's a quick uh, Patreon promo, and then let's get into, uh, into Hellish Nell and the proper way to celebrate Halloween with a seance. Cool. And uh, ecto-cum. <laughs> Do you need more sick and wrong in your life? Do you need one more news story to make you feel normal? Are three phone calls barely enough to feed the raging beast of desire? Well, then it's time for you to get the help you need and become a sick and wrong patron. Sign up at patreon.com slash sick and wrong and you'll have access to exclusive Patreon-only content such as news stories, extra phone calls, and much, much more. Become a patron today and help us make a better sick and wrong for tomorrow. 
That's patreon.com slash sickandwrong. So Helen Duncan was a 20th century medium and a spiritualist, and that was, that was very popular at the time. Oh, yeah, it was huge, especially yeah. in the U.K. Oh, in the U.K., I mean, you had Crowley, and you had, like, all the, uh, the magician's orders and all the different groups, and, yeah, like, paranormal experiences, very popular in the, uh, the, the early 20th century. Bring it back, I say. I think so, too. Um, so, allegedly, Hella Schnell here would summon spirits draped in ectoplasm, which is like an organic matter that was emitted from her body. In the 1930s, she was denounced as a fraud, and in 1944, she was prosecuted under the Witchcraft Act of 1735, which forbade conjuring of spirits. That's awesome. I would love if I'm ever going to be arrested to be arrested for something as amazing as uh, being a witch. Well, she was the last one to ever be charged with the Witchcraft Act. See, I want that. I want that bestowed upon me. So when I die, people talk about, like, oh, that's the last witch of uh, Carlisle. I think it's an honor, personally. It, that's what I mean. It is an honor. Well, they used to say she was the last witch of Scotland. Because so she was born in Scotland. Okay. Yeah, in a town called Callender. Have you ever heard of this? No, but I imagine it's a shithole. It's near uh, Dun... Was it Dunbarton? Dunblane. Dunblane. Dunblane, yeah. Yeah, well, you know what happened in Dunblane, don't you? Wasn't that like the uh, the, the reason guns are outlawed in yeah, the UK? Pretty, yeah. Well, our gun laws just got really tight uh, after that, because obviously... There's a when, mass shooting in a school. Well, yeah, right? you know, we, we actually care in our country. Like, I'm talking about us, Australia. You know, when a man walks into a school and shoots kids in the face and kills them, you know, we kind of think, maybe we should do something to stop this. Maybe. Maybe, maybe we should uh, enact some common sense gun laws. Maybe. That maybe could prevent just do that. You know, a person with mental health issues, you know, legally purchasing a gun and shooting up a school. Yeah, maybe we should do that. Might be a good idea. Yeah. Not in this country. God, no. Yeah, see, that's not American, all right? Give babies guns. That's, that's the American way. So Helen Duncan was born Victoria Helen McFarlane in Callender uh, near Perthshire, Scotland, November Perthshire. 25th, 1897. From an early age, her own family saw her as Fay. Okay, yeah, she got to touch the Fay. Yeah, and her mother, the mother was mortified when the child's behavior became impossible. She would predict doom and destruction for all sorts of people and was given an outburst of hysteria. She sounded pretty fun, actually. I I think she was like, you know, I've I've given birth to a mutant. Wouldn't that be so cool, though, if it was your child and they were just saying to you, Uncle Harry is going to die next Wednesday in mysterious circumstances. And then they just skip off. Like a little Victorian spooky child. Wouldn't you like utilize it to your advantage? Yeah. Yeah, I would be like, okay, let's get into Uncle Harry's will. First of all, when's he gonna die? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this would be great. Next Wednesday, you see. You can see if she could predict like who's gonna win uh, football matches. I don't think football was invented by then, but if football had been invented, then I'm pretty sure that Liverpool would still be playing the victim. They weren't playing football in like 1900. I think football, the first ever official football match is like 1808, something like that. Hmm. Well, her early life, other than predicting doom and destruction on family members, was actually kind of normal. She moved to uh, Dundee. She worked at an infirmary where she met uh, Henry Edward Duncan, a wounded war veteran and a cabinet maker. They ended up getting married in 1916. 
And she'd eventually have six children with Henry. Hey, you might have been wounded, but there was a part that worked on old Henry. The third leg was still working. Hey. Um, so she struggled to provide for her family because her husband was mostly bedridden. Um, he was very severely w- injured, couldn't work. And they had six kids. So she started working part-time at a bleach factory. Oh, that's not... That's <laughs> Can you imagine? Any, whenever you hear, whenever you read or like stories about people in those days and they just say the word factory, you're just like, no, I'd be dead. Yeah, but a bleach factory. He's like even worse. <laughs> um, no wonder she's like coughing up ectoplasm. Come. Yeah, or come, ecto-cum. Uh, so anyway, Henry saw a great way of making money from his, wife talent, his wife's talents and clairvoyance. He was, and he's a dude, that's a smart guy. Yeah. He was like, you know what? Start reading some tea leaves. Let's start making predictions and earning a few shillings for this. Some shekels on. I love the fact that, so he can barely leave bed. I, lo- I would love to know how these two met. He's bedridden. And then he's still like trying to tell this, like, yo, bish, go out and read some fucking tea leaves. I'd be like, why don't you get out of bed to get yourself a nice little He job doesn't have then? any legs. How do you know it's his legs that were gone? He was in the Royal Infirmary because he was injured in uh, the, the first great or the Great War. Yeah, it could have been and, like uh, gas or something. And he's just like got really shitty lungs. Well, he was unable to work. He was a cabinet maker and then he was unable to do it anymore. So she just pretty much provided for the family. But then um, he encouraged her to start holding some seances because she was good at it. Yeah. And she you know, obviously had some clairvoyance about her. So anyway, she started holding these evening seances in, uh, in Dundee, and uh, they kind of took off. She would um, introduce her spirit guide, Albert Stewart, a sardonic Scottish emigre to Australia who appeared regularly in her seances throughout her career. Do you think he was happy in the land down under, or was he in no. the spirit world saying how much he hated it? I think he was like my grandfather, who was from Glasgow, and he moved to North Carolina, I think in like the 40s or 50s, hated it. Hated every minute of living there. Hated the U.S., hated the food, hated the cars, hated the way what? Americans spoke. How could you hate the food and the cars? That's two of the best things about America. That he just he just wanted to be back. He didn't like driving. Well, I can understand yeah. that. He wanted to be back in uh, Glasgow. He wanted to be back in Glasgow. Hated the weather. How could he hate the weather? I, just, I don't know. And uh, the only thing my grandfather liked was, was, was hush puppies. Would you never heard of that? No. What are they? It's kind of like if you go to Long John Silver's, it usually comes with so the the fish and chips, which my grandfather hated America's fish and chips. I already know that America doesn't have fish and chips, and that I am gonna miss fish and chips, chippies. Well, so with the American fish and chips, when they uh, they they, you know deep fried cod or whatever, they always give you a hush puppy with it, which is like a deep fried round ball made from cornmeal. Okay. Yeah. It's like a side dish that they usually serve with fish and chips. I mean, that's probably good. I mean, I love the fact that the only thing he liked was something that was deep fried. That says a lot about a Glasgow man to me. Yeah, my grandfather died, I think, at like 59 or 60 from, I think, three heart attacks. And he was probably quite happy to die, I would imagine, considering how much he hated America. (laughs) He was, yeah, he was, uh, did did not want to live here. Um, Anyway. Um, Helen's spirit guide was Albert, and Albert was often accompanied by another one of her spirit guides, Peggy, who was a little girl who allegedly danced, sang, and swung from curtain rails. She sounds like a little annoying brat. I wouldn't want her as my spirit guide. Give me the, uh, the upset Scotsman who's living in Australia. 
<laughs> well, I think she would do both, and she had other she had other ghosts that she could conjure up. So, at this time, when she started doing the seances, her reputation started started booming. They moved to Edinburgh. Oh, and uh, that's that's when her seances just took off, became the talk of the town. Um, someone said that uh, even she conjured up the uh, the 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 ghost of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Did that she one know? Of her seances, yeah. Right. Um, a prominent feature of her seances was materialization, or her ability to produce ectoplasm um, from her mouth during her trances. So she would. She would transform the spirit. Her spirit partners would come out. You got Albert and you got Peggy that she would produce from her mouth. Albert's coming out of her mouth. Albert's come out of her mouth. More or less. Yes. She would, she would start producing the ectoplasm and start like coughing it up and it would come out of her mouth and then she could speak through these, these spirit guides. And the thing is, Helen grew quite obese. She was big. She was a big woman. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised. During She's this moved. period. So Dundee, like, I can't remember what the, the food of Dundee is. I had one of the worst sausage sandwiches in my life in Dundee. But then you're moving down to Edinburgh, which has got the amazing, um, the sauce. Do you know about the sauce What's in Edinburgh? What's the sauce in Edinburgh? So is that ectoplasm? It's... <laughs> Yeah, it's on. It's a, in every chippy, and it's a mixture of vinegar and brown sauce. HP What's brown, the brown sauce? sauce. HP's brown sauce. Is that it's, like a, is that like steak sauce? No, I we I we've had brown sauce together. It's like a it's like a spicy spicy kind of like nice brown sauce. <laughs> I want to stop brown saying the sauce. word brown sauce. So- that's what it's called. <laughs> it sounds so gross. It's that's what it's called. But that's so tasty in Edinburgh, and I love it. And you can buy bottles of it to like take from certain chippies. But anyways, so all Scottish people can make this brown sauce. Well, I mean, you can make it at home if you want, but it's not the same. And not all Scottish people. It's an Edinburgh only thing. I usually need to eat a lot of Taco Bell before I can make brown sauce. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so anyway, what? So Edinburgh is it's brown sauce and malt vinegar. Uh, yeah. So I can see why she's gone from like kind of Dundee skinny, and now she's obviously got extra money. So she's probably having chippy tea like every about, night. They said she's twenty stone. She's twenty stone. She's a big fucking woman. She's a big lady. She needs a lot of cum to come out of her mouth. It, well, so what was weird about it? Why people started believing her is because you have this twenty stone woman. Who could speak in these like childish voices? But can't we all do that? I could do that right now. I could do. I don't know. I I I think she was kind of had a little bit of ventriloquism going on. Oh right, she could like throw her voice around the room. Project her voice into the ectoplasm that was uh, young Peggy. You know what? I'm not saying I want to live back in the 1920s because like everyone wore too much underwear. I hate life before the internet. I think it all sucks. But I think I imagine me being a seance leader where it just meant I would do my accents. I would say people were more gullible then. But yeah. then you look at something like QAnon. Uh, it yeah, makes me see? think, nah, people haven't changed. One of my spirit guides would definitely be a disapproving Indian, Indian mother. Disapproving. <laughs> well, so... The huge loss of life that surrounded the uh, First World War provided Duncan with the opportunity to, quote, reunite families with their deceased loved ones. Oh, that's, that's low, isn't it's it? It's low, but I can imagine, you know, it gave people solace. Maybe for some people it did have a... Well, many people sought her out for one last conversation with their dead relatives. I mean, you know, if you think about it, this still happens today with yeah. psychic mediums. I, I recall when Kessler died, like a couple years later... His mother's, his mother and uh, his two sisters went on the uh, Long Island Medium 
You remember that show? No. It's on TLC. Uh, I think the woman's name was Teresa Caputo. Okay. And she was a very popular medium that would go and do like cold reads on people. There was a spate of all those like medium shows uh, in the UK as well. I can't forget his name. He's an icon. He's a legend. I want to call him Derek. Wasn't there like that really young gay kid that was like a medium? I, I can't remember like a young blonde gay hair. kid. I forget his name. He was he was American. But you would go on like you would you would sit. It's like a talk show, wouldn't you? And then he would like try and contact your. I dead think relatives. what would happen is you would write down like. You know, you had a relative who who died, mm-hmm. and you could say it was a son or whatever. And I think he would go through and pick it out and pick out the cards that would work. Yeah, she yeah. did too. The Long Island medium. Anyway, I, d- I don't know. You know, I mean, I ta- I spoke spoke to uh, the the mom, uh, Kessler's mom, and the sisters about it, and they said that they you know they felt some kind of a connection to a spirit that. She spoke through. Well, it's, it's absolute bullshit, though. I think so, too. But if it provides you some comfort, then whatever. Like, it's I mean, it was something. her first season averaged 1.3 million viewers. Wow. It was a big show. I think it went for a couple series. Um, but now in, in Duncan seances, audiences could, could do more than just converse with the dead. Because that's the thing. Like, Teresa Caputo and all these other mediums would just like, I'm getting a message right now. And uh-huh. you had to kind of go with it. But not Duncan. She took it one step further. They could see and touch the deceased. Oh, so this is like it ghost when um, Patrick Swayze comes down into Whoopi Goldberg's body. And then he, he, she, it was quite confusing who is what at that point, starts touching up Demi Moore. Yeah, while they remember, while they're like doing the, uh, the, 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 what was that, pottery? No, no, no. See, you get, stop getting ghost wrong. So when there's when they're doing the pottery, that Whoopi Goldberg's not involved in that part. Oh, I thought it was like a menage a trois. You had like the ghost, and you had no. So wait, Patrick Swayze wasn't in Whoopi Goldberg when they were doing the pottery. No, that's a totally separate sex scene. Hmm. But then there's a separate sex scene with Whoopi Goldberg, Patrick Swayze, and Debbie Moore. It's very confusing at that point. Very sexy. Totally. Um, but yeah, so yeah, this is a little bit different, I guess, unless. Patrick Swayze was coming out of Whoopi Goldberg's mouth and nose as a slimy supernatural substance that would transform into a physical being of a spirit. Was that happening? Oh, what? So the cum hardened? Because that does happen. Like if you leave a a cummy item of clothing, it does harden and become something. Is it becoming a golem? Essentially, Helen here would honk up a loogie and then say it was the spirit of someone's deceased loved one. No, she didn't. That's, that's so well, that's gross. That's what it is. I mean, it would ectoplasm would come out of her mouth and nose. Oh my! And then she would start speaking through it. Of this fat woman, <laughs> she's just making a little pile of loogie like, cum. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Gaffner. So, uh, one of the one of the the attendees to her séance here is a guy named Vincent Woodcock. <laughs> and uh, so Vinny Vin- Woodcock. <laughs> Vincent. Um, uh, ended up actually giving evidence at, uh, at, at Duncan's trial in 1944. He claimed that his dead wife appeared at 19 seances that he attended over a period of three years. And on one occasion, he was sitting with his sister-in-law when Duncan went into a trance, began hawking up a loogie of ectoplasm from her mouth. He said the substance then took on the form of his recently deceased wife. That's an insult. I would, I would be insulted if you said that about me, if you were like, oh, that pile of loogie looks like my dead wife, Kate. I would, I, I would actually come back and haunt you. 
if you did that to me. I'd probably use it as a flashlight. (laughs) (laughs) He said, quote, my wife came through and invited her sister-in-law to come up to her in front of the cabinet. And my wife came up to me and took this finger off my, took the ring off my finger, which I have here. She then pulled it around and she put it on my sister-in-law's hand. She clasped our hands together and kissed them and said, it is my wish that this takes place for the sake of our little girl. Oh, my God. So apparently that you can marry your sister through a seance now with the blessing of your dead wife. What is going on here? A year later, he and his sister-in-law got married. Well, keep it in the family. Yeah. Um, and she was very pleased with what happened here. You know, I don't put much stock in psychics. I, I really am very skeptical when it comes to that. But one that's barfing up ectoplasm could convince me of the existence <laughs> of a uh, spirit well. Right. I, uh, Especially if it's talking, you know, mucus. No, it's too much for me. Although I do like the idea of it. It's kind of reminding me of like the slime in Ghostbusters. That's, that's what it sounds like, but it's like animated. It's almost like Ghostbusters 2. Remember the slime that, yeah. because in New York, everyone's so like angry surly. all the time and surly. That was making the slime just kind of grow. Yeah. That pink slime. That's what this is giving me, reminding me of. But I would just, the sound of somebody hocking up, like <laughs> a, le- a loogie in front of you. And then it's like this little pile of cum loogie on, on the table. And then she starts making it move and talk. Gross. Well, there were a lot of people that were skeptical of Duncan's seances. Good. And they kind of thought she was a bit of a fraud, a bit of a charlatan, you know, screwing over these slack-jawed yokels. So in 1928, a photographer named Harvey Metcalf attended one of her seances and took flash photos of her, quote, spirits. Um, his photographs revealed that the conjured spirits were fraudulent. They were made by draping a paper mache mask with an old sheet. Okay, right. So she Flying had like, around, yeah. Oh, I see. So she had saying. props. Yeah, cool. Now in 1931, a few years later, Duncan's activities were investigated by a famous ghost hunter named Harry Price at the invitation of the London Spiritualist Alliance. Harry Price will be covered in next week's show. We're kind of doing a two-parter here, which is very rare. I don't think yeah. we've done... That many two-part series or two-part shows. We definitely haven't done a two-parter. I think I might have before. I don't know. Sick and wrong listeners, keen sick and wrong listeners, (laughs) you might let me know. But I thought I've done one before, but maybe not. Um, But yeah, so this week we're going to focus on Helen Duncan. Then we're going to focus on the man who debunked the medium that we're talking about today, Harry Price. That's for next week. But anyway, the London Spiritualist Alliance had Harry go out there. He's like the original James Randi. Okay. Paranormal researcher, but he did believe. He did believe, but he also debunked many frauds. And so they sent him out there, and, they, and he had 50 sittings with her between October 1930 and June 1931. For these sittings, um, Helen was stripped, searched, and dressed in seance garments. Um, there were reports that said that, uh, so a couple of the reports were actually favorable of her skills. A third found indications of fraud. Pieces of ectoplasm were found from time to time, differed in composition, and early specimens consisted of paper or cloth mixed with something that looked like egg whites. Oh, and she's just like doing like maybe a sleight of hand, swallowing that and then just like hocking it up onto the table. They, there was there was definitely some sleight of hand. She was definitely, I don't know if she consumed it fully and like regurgitated it, but or she just hid it in her mouth. But they said that there was... Um, this ectoplasm 
I seem to be butter muslin or cheesecloth, probably swallowed and then regurgitated. Oh, gross. And so she would go into a cabinet, and that's where uh-huh. the, the beings would come out. That's where she would, like, choke up and, and cough up or regurgitate the cheesecloth that she said was a spirit. And even Peggy, the young girl, had, like, a little face of a doll on it. That reminds me of, you know, um, Robert Crumb's weird brother who oh, swallows yeah, the, the, string. Uh, the string every day and then just, like, pulls it back out. Used to see that. I used to see that guy in San Francisco when I walked to work. That all the crumb brothers are just absolutely weirdos. I know they're all dead now, apart from Robert. Yeah, the other two are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the one guy was like, he wasn't homeless because I think he was on like uh, federal assistance or something. But yeah. you'd see him just kind of like on the street on Market Street. Yeah, he committed suicide. Thing. Yeah, he, he probably hung all. himself with the string. <laughs> <laughs> so people could hear choking noises from within the cabinet, and it was interesting that when she was persuaded to swallow a tablet of methylene blue. Before one of the seances, um, no ectoplasm actually appeared that day. What's methylene blue? I think it was just like a blue dye that would like, oh so to the, see yeah, if it would come up. What was what was produced? If it was going to be blue? Imagine the ghosts aren't coming in my mouth today. <laughs> I can't do it. No ghosts come for you. It's a Smurf ectoplasm. <laughs> um, there's an attempt to X-ray Duncan after a controlled seance one time. So Harry Price, the paranormal researcher, wanted to X-ray her. And see if he could see the cheesecloth inside of her stomach. Um, Price said that she jumped up and dealt him a smashing blow on the face, which sent him reeling backwards. She then lunged at another doctor who was there, uh, who managed to avoid the blow. Suddenly, without the slightest warning, she pushed um, another woman, another doctor who was there, um, ran out the door, dashed into the street, where then she started having like a full-on seizure in hysterics. And started tearing her seance garment to pieces. And her husband was there. He managed to get to walk up to her to kind of calm her down. Oh, look, he's got legs. He's got legs, Dee. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe he's in a wheelchair. I'm not sure. But he ended up going over there to calm her down. And she was found clutching the railing, screaming, like shrieking. Oh, she. While he was trying to pacify her. Harry was her number one enemy, wasn't he? He's just hounding this woman, what, 50 seances in one year. Just every week he must have been bothering her. Well, I think he was a very adept researcher. Well, you know? she well she knows it's all fake. And he's a skeptic. Oh, yeah. for sure. And so they're closing in on her, and now she's just getting super violent. I love the fact she hit him, though. I think that's great. Good for her. Well, after this episode, she returned to the laboratory. Um, and she'd perfu- previously refused to be x-rayed. But this time she was like, all right, let's do this. Let's x-ray. Uh, but then Price was like, okay, well, I think you passed the ingested fake ectoplasm cheesecloth to your husband when you were having a little tantrum outside. <laughs> yeah, when you were chucking your toys out the yeah. prom. And so an x-ray wasn't performed. Oh. oh. Yeah. Uh, despite the investigations, though, and people claiming that uh, Helen Duncan was a fraud, she was still incredibly popular. Um, in 1933, she was arrested for fraud for the first time after a member of the audience who had lunged at a shape that was emerging from the side of her skirt found it to be a, a, a stockinette undervest. A stockinette? See, this is what I mean. Those days, everyone just wore so much fucking underwear. It's, I could not have coped with it. Well, it sounded like it was like a sock puppet or something. Yeah, that's what it probably was. But I mean, what, so, so she was arrested for fraud and she had to pay a 10 quid fine. Oh, is that it? At Edinburgh Sheriff's Court. No chippy tea for her that night. No brown sauce for her. 
Didn't matter, though. She was still the number one spiritualist. People were lining up to go to her seances, which she charged for admission. Of course. Yeah, and she was still like the talk of the town. In 1941, she came to the attention of the police once more. And this is interesting because this is unexplained. Yeah. So at one of her seances, she allegedly conversed with a deceased sailor from the British battleship HMS Barham. So have you, have you heard of the HMS Barham? No, which one? I, I might have done. Which one is it? Well, during the evening, a sailor, the sea sailor that she conjured up, revealed that he had been one of more than 800 men who had lost their lives uh, when the ship was torpedoed by a German U-boat near Egypt. Okay. Um, the news shocked everyone present because no one knew about this tragedy because the war office had silenced it. Yeah, there was no information um, given to the press. So no one knew about this. Yet, the info that the deceased sailor and Helen Duncan just presented at the seance was correct. The HMS Barnum had been destroyed on the 25th of November, and 861 men lost their lives. So yeah, it might have been like silenced in the press, maybe the British press, but it might not have been silenced in other press. Like, you know, when... Uh, the Germans didn't even know about it, so that was the thing. They were trying to hush it up because they didn't want to damage morale. Yeah. And so um, they did. I mean, they, the wartime government totally silenced this story, like quashed the story from ever getting out. So the British government was like, how the fuck does this fraud know about this how can this even happen how was duncan aware of classified military information and now she's spilling the secrets she must be stopped well exactly they thought that she was uh in contact with the enemy or somehow receiving leaked information from inside the war office and so they ordered uh, the government ordered her arrest immediately and they raided a seance that was taking place in portsmouth on the 19th of january 1944 like they ended up raiding it and uh, Duncan and three members of the audience were arrested under the Vagrancy Act of 1824, a charge later amended to one of conspiracy. And so in wartime Britain, if you were charged with conspiracy, it was a sentence of death by hanging. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But by the time the case was finally brought up to the old Bailey, the charge had been changed once again, this time to uh, contravention of Section 4 of the Witchcraft Act of 1735, uh, which covered fraudulent spiritual activity. She's a witch. Brilliant. They say she was the last witch of Scotland, the last woman ever to be charged under the Witchcraft Act. Brilliant. What an honor. So the Witchcraft Act of 1735 was an act of the Parliament of the Kingdom of Great Britain, uh, which made it a crime for a person to claim that any human being had magical powers or was guilty of practicing witchcraft. So the law abolished the hunting and executions of witches in Great Britain, and the maximum penalty here was a year's imprisonment. Oh, is that, that's not too bad. Not that bad, yeah. yeah. Um, the trial was a media sensation. Yeah. Everybody wanted to know, hear about it. You know, all the press covered it. Witnesses were called to the stand to recall experiences that they had at the seances and, this, and discussing what actually happened when, the, when, the, when they contacted spirits. Uh, there's a journalist who said that you know he had seen Arthur Conan Doyle materialize in a seance. Um, photographs were produced, including a photograph of Peggy, which I'm going to actually post to the site, which was slithering out of Duncan's nose, and it had the face of a child's doll. It is so creepy looking. That's terrifying. It's very terrifying. 
Um, ultimately, the jury just took 25 minutes to find her guilty. And on the 3rd of April, 1944, she was sentenced to nine months in prison. Do, does you know which prison she went to? There were some gnarly prisons back then in Britain. I think she went to Holloway. I was about to say, is it Holloway? Holloway Prison, yeah. yeah. She went to Holloway Prison. And she was very upset. She, uh, As she was being pulled out of the courtroom, she said, I've done nothing. I've never done anything. Is there a God? And she was screaming, it's all lies, as she was led away. Oh, wow. She's not going down silently. I love it. The court record stated, Helen Duncan is a professional medium who is engaged at a substantial fee to give a series of seances in a registered church or temple. That's what was uh, the, the, the facility, the venue that she had at 301 Copnell Road in Portsmouth. Um, and this was a, a little, I guess it was like a room above a chemist shop, and that's where she usually held her seances. Okay. And there's another woman named Elizabeth Christine Jones who uh, was known as Mrs. Homer. Um, and she had been she helped organize the seances, and then Francis Brown, who was the booking agent, so they they had a whole crew, and they all went down. Oh, they were right. all charged with uh, under the witchcraft law. Um, uh, uh, from the court records, the case for the prosecution was that the whole performance was an elaborate pretense, a fraudulent performance, a mere imposition on human credulity. This Britain's just so stuffy. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, well, I mean, I think that that was the whole point of uh, they just didn't want people getting screwed over. I get it, but I think they wouldn't have cared if she hadn't have brought the war into it. I, I think she would have been fine had it not been for, you know, this information. The, the deceased yeah. soldier from the HMS Barroom. But how did she know that? I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's but unexplained even to this day. There's nothing to say that it wasn't reported somewhere else. It happened in Egypt. No one knew about it. Yeah, but like she's obviously got friends in lots of people coming to her. Who knows? I mean, but Could I don't be believe in any psychics or anything like that. I think it's all fucking non nonsense. I think it's all stupid and pointless. But there's no way that that's real. I mean, I think they're charlatans. Yeah. I don't know. I imagine she must have had information from somewhere, but it is weird. She conjured up this dead semen. <laughs> right oh, after I. it right after it happened. Yes, yeah, so she had some extra semen in her <laughs> that day. Um Helen just served six months of her sentence and was released from Holloway Prison twenty second of September nineteen forty four. Despite promising to stop conducting seances, she continued. Right back to it. Yeah, and she was arrested yet again during a police raid in November nineteen fifty six. They hounded her. Yeah, it sounds like know? it. Um, just a few weeks afterwards, she died at her home in Edinburgh on the, the uh, 6th of December, 1956, at the age of 59. Well, that's probably, that's pretty much actually average lifespan for Scotland. In Scotland? Yeah, yeah. I think it's men is 61 is the average lifespan of a man in Scotland. Yeah, my grandfather, I think, died at 60, 59 or 60. You know why? Because it's all the chippy teas. I, th I think it's all the hush puppies that man ate. Yeah, <laughs> don't blame him. So Duncan... You know, she she was divisive. She divided public opinion here. To some, she was a genuine medium who was conjuring up the spirits of their deceased loved ones. The and they had a, an opportunity to engage with these spirits, converse with the spirits, and have one last conversation. To others, she was a fraudster who just pretty much made money out of vulnerable people. Yeah, and then she's, she's making it worse because she's hocking up phlegm onto a table <laughs> and being like, there's your papa. 
What do you want to say to your papa now? I wonder if she'd use sleight of hand and put googly eyes on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But everybody had an opinion about her. She was very popular. Yes, she was divisive, but everyone had an opinion. Even Winston Churchill, who was furious, beyond furious, to discover that the 1735 Witchcraft Act had been used in a modern court of law. Oh, was he? That's funny. Oh, he was really upset. He wrote a memo uh, to Herbert Morrison at the Home Office. He said, let me have a report on why the Witchcraft Act was used in a modern court of justice. What was the cost of this trial to the state? Observing that witnesses were brought from Portsmouth and maintained here in this crowded London for a fortnight, and the recorder kept busy with all this obsolete tomfoolery to the detriment of necessary work in the courts. Good for him. (laughs) He's kicking off. Yeah, he was not happy about this. Um... Helen Duncan became the last person to be imprisoned under the 1735 Witchcraft Act and one of the last to be prosecuted under it. In 1951, the act was repealed and replaced with the Fraudulent Mediums Act. Aww. You could never have that in the States. I just want them to bring the witchcraft um, laws back now. I mean, uh, they could. It would be amazing if they did. I, would, I want to be the first one arrested. Well, I think they're trying to modernize these laws. You know, um, the Fraudulent Mediums Act was brought by uh, a man named Thomas Brooks, an MP and a spiritualist. Okay. Yeah. Um, But Duncan, you know, Duncan still has a uh, very divisive legacy. Uh, She's become something of a martyr for many spiritualists. And in fact, almost 70 years after being found guilty, there's campaigners that are, are... for doing like active, like actively petitioning to clear her name because they say she was wrongfully convicted. A woman by the name of, or a man by the name of Graham Hewitt, has been fighting the case on behalf of her grandchildren. Okay, right. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. She, she said she was children. tried under an old piece of legislation that shouldn't have been used at the time, um, and advice had been issued by the director of public prosecutions that alternatives were available. However, 2008 Scottish Parliament rejected a petition to pardon her. But yeah, because it is ridiculous. <laughs> we should go visit her grave because she'll be buried in Edinburgh. So I wonder if what's that? Uh, what's what is the cemetery that has the uh, the black mausoleum? Friar Friars Kirk. Yeah, that's the you one think, in the center she's of buried town. There. No, because that's a very old like plague. No, the, she died too recently to be there. But we should go find a grave in Edinburgh. Yeah, I'm go check it out. Um, there was a bronze bust, actually, of Helen Duncan that was presented to the town of Calendar. Um, Is there cum coming out of her mouth? Well, there's a lot of controversy because people thought she was a witch, you know, last witch of Scotland. And so people with religious views were objecting to its being on uh, public display. So they had to take it, and it's in a museum now. In Calendar? In, in the Calendar, yes, Calendar Scotland. I'm very surprised that Calendar has a museum in it because it just seems like an absolute shithole. Well, it's actually in Stirling. Oh, Sterling, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Sterling Smith Art Gallery and Museum. Oh, okay, I've been there. We yeah. can go, we can go to Sterling to see it. You might have seen, you might have seen the bust. I can't remember, I was very stoned that day. I anyway, did. Um, fascinating lady, though. Next week, we're going to talk about the man who debunked her publicly. Yeah. So, uh, Harry Price. But seriously, people, I think you should really, uh, you know, try having a seance on Halloween night. Why not? A sick and wrong. We should get some uh, on T Public, some merch. We should get a, a sick and wrong Ouija board. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it couldn't be that hard. Just get your family together, force them 
It's like all hold hands. Get get a Ouija board. Get some candles. Hock up a loogie. Say it's your dead grandma from the other side. Hock up um, your dad's cum and, <laughs> and say it's you. It I was w- cum, D. I'd be like Harrison, rise from the spirit <laughs> realm. My pansexual spirit guy <laughs> who and likes to have sex with pans. Shut <laughs> up. Stop punching down, D. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing if I could somehow like conjure a Harrison. As a, a little like cum demon. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be into that. Anyway, people, this is episode 867 here is Sick and Wrong. Uh, we got a few phone calls come up next. 323-522-4032 is that number. But first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. Hey, guys. It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Logaric's disease got pretty bad, let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E. I am now a new man. Thanks. So we got a couple uh, Halloween phone calls here to get to 323-522-4032 is the number of the sick wrong hotline or you can email at uh sick wrong podcast at uh, gmail.com so the first call we have here is from a guy named liam liam gaga from oasis about time he called it might be or liam neeson is it be even better if he called but this guy's from canada so I don't, i'm not sure a famous uh canadian called liam i don't think he exists so he's probably the most famous Man called Liam from Canada. Possibly. Yeah. Hello, this is, um, well, this is Liam calling from Toronto. I'm a huge fan of the show. Uh, I've been listening since the days Harrison was co-hosting. God may rest, may may his soul be having fun in heaven or wherever he is right now. Unless I'm conjuring him up from one of my seances. To be a cum demon. (laughs) Harrison, Andrew Harrison, the cum demon. And uh, Kate, you're a wonderful new co-host. I really appreciate it. But so the story I want to get to is I remember years ago, a family member told me this story. They were hanging around St. Augustine, Florida, probably on a family vacation. And my aunt, uh, she was young at the time, um, this guy, this cop came up to them and said, you need to come with me. You need to come with me right now. And she was confused, but, you know. It's a cop, and this is the 70s, 80s, so you you pay attention to the police. Yeah, but still, if some cop just came up to you out of the blue and was like, you got to come with me right now, wouldn't you want to see some credentials? Yeah, I wouldn't do it, because then he's going to lead you to his tan VW Beetle bug that has no lock, like no door handles on the inside, and that's you, murdered by Ted Bundy. I would want to see, like, is he driving a cop car? Does he at least have, like, some sirens or something he can put on the roof of the car? Like, I want to see some kind of legitimacy here. Yeah, I'd be like, get on the police radio. Show me, I mean, I would even want to examine the badge a bit. 
I would just say, like, get on the radio. I want to hear, like, your buddies down at the shop saying that I have to come in. Or or what am I being charged for? I want to see a warrant, bish. Exactly. And I remember, yeah, and then uh, my uh, one of my aunts uh, then came in and be like, hey, where's the, um, are you a cop? I'm taking my daughter away, yeah. So she said, show me the badge. And he just paused for a minute. She's like, well, show me the badge. And then. Nice. That's what you have to say. Show me the badge. So he was coming up to her being like, this girl's probably what, like 16, 15? Yeah. And he's like, she's got to come with me. If She's probably hot as well, if judging by Liam. He sounds yeah. hot. She's probably hot. Well, I, I'm not sure if he sounds hot. I, look, I what really want to go to Toronto. He's like he's Canadian. Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, not all Torontonians are hot. Yeah. You ever seen Kids in the Hall? <laughs> They're not all attractive. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I would definitely be like, I'm not letting my daughter go with some random guy wearing, like, a police hat and, like, a blue shirt. Yeah, why would you? No. Suspicious. It's Ed Kemper. This guy was Ed Kemper. I wonder if he was, like, yeah, if he was, like, six foot eight. Yeah, and just a big Sasquatch. Yeah, Sasquatch wearing a cop shirt. He just ran away. He just ran away. He just took off. And they never saw him again. And I always think about that because... You know, at at the time around Florida, there was so much fucked up shit going on. Murderers, rapists. I mean, if this was what he said was the 80s, right? I think, didn't he say 70s? I don't remember if he said 70s I'm or hungover, 80s. I'm sorry. Though. But the, around this time was Adam Walsh, if you remember, from uh, yeah. America's Most Wanted. John mm-hmm. Walsh's son. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam Walsh was found decapitated in a boat. And I remember as a kid, because I, I would have been like, what, five? It's before we moved to South Africa, but we lived in Florida. I remember my mom used to bring that up all the time to me. Like, if we were in the mall, if we went to Kmart, and I would, like, try to walk by, she'd be like, Adam Walsh. Don't forget. And I was just like, holy shit, I'm not going to get decapitated and uh, put in both. So I was like, I actually was scared to death of that story. There's always, the, I think, like, the child killers or child who's been killed of your generation. I think it was mine, like... um maybe Millie Dowler or there was also those two kids who got who Ian Huntley killed but they were Manchester United fans so it's alright that they died <laughs> why am so I many, doing so, so many, many fucking football, football jokes, jokes like, what's going on here are you like, a, like football yeah, are you like a big football fan though no, no but like the, I don't know I'm just a, my brain is in a let's have some football jokes yeah. this that's episode. what happens when she's hungover she I'm, starts thinking about football I'm so sorry everyone you turn into a proper Brit a <laughs> lag and you got to wonder, is it a one-off or has this guy killed before? Could my, one of my family members been a victim of a serial killer? I don't know. It's just food for thought. I'm pretty fucking tipsy right now. I'm pretty sure you can tell. But thank you so much. I appreciate everything. And uh, may this podcast go for another thousand episodes. God oh bless God. both of you. <laughs> we appreciate yeah. you, Liam. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, Liam. He brings up a good point. I mean, that's, that guy's definitely... Bold to do something like that to walk up to a family dressed as a cop and say your daughter has to come with me. I think it could and have not been. even show a badge. I mean, it could have been Ted Bundy because that was definitely part of his mo, and he would dress up and you know be like, "Can you help me with my books and my car and all that shit?" So it's not without the realm of possibility. I mean, fucking Ted Bundy took uh, picked up Debbie Harry. You Ted know Bundy that? picked up Debbie Harry. You don't from know Blondie? the story. When was this? So it's in Debbie Harry's book, Face It, and she talks about, like, she got into his car, into Ted Bundy's car, and she manages to get out of it. It's in a book. Read a book. In New York. 
Ted Bundy drove his shitty like beige Datsun or whatever the fuck. It he was drove. a VW Beetle, but right. no, I don't we- think it was the VW Beetle. But he picked up because Debbie's hitchhiking to get somewhere, and he picks her up. And he's trying to assault her and she manages to attack him and get away. And then when Ted Bundy rolls around on the television, you know, he's been caught. He's this horrible monster. She's like, holy fuck. You know, Debbie doesn't have the best of luck. Wasn't she, she like, did someone break into her apartment and uh, uh Yeah, and they, her? they raped her and they stole all the equipment. And yeah, stole all the guitars. Yeah, she says that was more upsetting to her than the actual rape because they were so poor and that was all their equipment. But then she gets assaulted by Ted Bundy. Also gets assaulted. But Debbie Harry's fucking rocking. I would, if Ted Bundy had killed Debbie Harry, I would go back in time and punch Ted Bundy in the fucking face for taking away such a delightful person. I guess he might have prevented the tide is high. Oh, see, that's fine. Maybe <laughs> he could have let her record. To. Yeah, record yeah. everything else apart <laughs> from the tide is high. Worst Blondie song. But yeah. okay, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Liam. And yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very happy that your aunt wasn't murdered by a serial killer. Um, always ask for a badge, people. That's the takeaway. Uh, next call here is uh, about Colin, the mule. Hey, Kat. Hey Dee, it's uh, Rick from Leeds. I promised I'd send a quick story. Um, it has to be one about when I'd split with X permanently. Um, I were a bit on a downward spiral, so I needed to go out and enjoy myself. I'd not been able to enjoy myself for the longevity of relationship or with that miserable cunt. <laughs> so uh, I decided to jump on one of the lads' holidays, uh, stag do, which I could have gone on anywhere, but she would have never let me. Wait, so he's going on a lad holiday, also known as a stag do. Well, yeah, it's a lad's holiday, but it's also a stag do. A stag do. So a stag do is a bachelor party. Yeah, but they're going abroad. That's like a big thing we do in Britain. Do you guys do it's that? It's like the in-betweeners. Yeah. And they went to Cyprus. You go away on like... Crete, you'll, forget. You'll go to like on a hen do, but you'll all go to like Corfu for a week. No. My idea of hell. We'll go to Vegas. Vegas. No, yeah. but this is like yes, your bachelorette parties. You have them before the wedding, right? So you, this is what they do now. Like this is what loads of people do. They'll they have go to another country and then just get shit faced drunk for a week. But then they'll also have the at home hen and stag do. People do, are mad. Do they wear like the sash on the bride to be? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god! But you're terrible. doing it in like I don't know coffee. I don't know why I'm saying coffee. Yeah, that's no, where we're going. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, I jumped on this holiday. One of the other guys were in similar situation. So we said, right, come on, we'll go to Benidorm. We'll have this stag do. We'll enjoy yourself. Fuck it. Um, but we need to get some gear over there. So we decided. Yeah, that's got to pose some problems because you're traveling abroad to another country. You don't have any co- contacts there for gear. I always think it's fucking, if you want drugs, it's not hard. Like, I found drugs in Prague. It wasn't, it's not like a difficult thing to do. I usually tend to go with, it's just not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it to fly with drugs. And it's just not worth it to drink. You know, it's like, do you have to have gear? I guess he's on a bachelor party, though. I I know, but like, I just think it's easy because you can just walk, you would just walk into a club, right, don't you? And you just look for the most fucked person. And then you just go up to them and just like say loads of different words until like they give you ching. 
don't think it's as easy as that for a dude. But a woman, I th- I could see it working pretty well. Yeah. Although I imagine like Brits go there and then they find other drunk Brits and he's like, got idea. And that's how they get you it. You got any Ekkies, mate? And yeah. they'll be like, yeah, go see that guy in the corner who's That's fucked. how it happens. Uh, um, we were all going to sort ourselves out in, in ways, um, but, you know, we're going to be a messy one. So this lad says, well, I can't really afford to go, but I want to go. So I says, right, well, you'll have to smuggle us some gear up over. So he went, all right, yeah, yeah, how? So we told him. Wait, so they're going to pay for their mate to go, but he's got to smuggle the gear. Yeah, he's the mule. He's the mule. This, this must be Colin. That were, that were smuggled over in the conventional way that everybody feels that it's smuggled over there. Uh, so one other lad said, look, meet me tomorrow. I'll give you this dildo. Open yourself up a bit. We'll pay for all drinks. We'll pay for your holiday. We'll sort you out. Just have to smuggle this gear over. Oh, fucking hell. He says, oh, yeah, do that. all right, anyway. Do, would you would you take this, uh, this, this agreement? I... <laughs> The other thing I think is, I would never want to take drugs that had been in my mate's ass. Yeah, but I mean, if for it's a long up. period of time. But it's, it's for a long period of time, and it's in his ass. Like, no. Yeah, but you don't know where these drugs are coming from. That uh, that that we did the other night. Ignorance is bliss. With I that, yes, there's a lot of mules I swallowed. I mean, this guy. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be wrapped up very well. Uh, no, it's just not for me. Because it, it's your mate, right? It's okay for a stranger that I've never met to like um, put some ching in their asshole, smuggle it across the border, and then here I am in LA taking it. That's fine. I've never met that person. But when it's your mate, it's different. I guess it's been a... Okay, what if it's somebody that you dated? That's even worse, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but your tongue's probably been in that place. Yeah, but like when you break up with them, your tongue is never going back in that place. So why would I want something that would come out of like their body's orifice? And it's a dude, too. You know he's not that clean. Yeah, of course he isn't. And it's not just like he's putting it in for 20 minutes. No, it takes it's a long a time to fly and shit. It's like a few hours. It, probably more like five. And plus, how much gear are we talking about? Is it like a couple eight balls here? I think so. It must be. That's kind of a lot of, that's a lot of cocaine. I do love how in like, so in the north, gear to me is like speed or yeah, it's coke. But gear in London, down south, is heroin. I thought they, I thought they called gear cocaine. I always think it's a heroin down south. I've always, I've always thought it was uh, cocaine. At least that's what I've always heard from people. You got any gear, it's usually cocaine. Gear's a good term in it. I like gear. But I'm wondering how much this guy's going to shove up his ass. But apparently, he's got some good friends. You know, they're going to, like, pay for the holiday, buy him all his drinks. All he's got to do is smuggle a couple eight balls of cocaine. It's not a bad deal. I love the fact that Rick's like, yeah, so just open yourself up with a dildo because every man has an ass-opening dildo in the house. Well, actually, come dear in Andrew Harrison. He had several. (laughs) What I'm wondering is, did he give him like a starter pack? Like, here's a small one, and then like slowly, yeah, but slowly, like you know, progress to a larger dildo. Oh no, I think these lads are just going to be like, I just go for the big one. I could take the big one in the ass. Yeah. Wow. All right. Three, four weeks later, we all meet up, go to airport, and he says, uh, "Right, lads, what about this gear? What about this? This gear? A lot of it, like you know, what shape of it, what package?" We'd all forgotten completely about what we told him to do. <laughs> we, we were all just stood there around the airport having a few minutes, just baffled, thinking, what the fuck's this guy? We'll, we'll call him Colin for argument's sake, because his name was Colin. 
Colin. Um, <laughs> what the fuck am I supposed to do? You know, you know show me him, show me him. I'll take him to Alex now. One of the other lads who remembered what we'd said just burst out laughing, proper burst out laughing. He goes, you just fucked yourself up ass for three weeks nearly. For no, and uh, fucking hell, it was. he had fucked himself for like the best part. So wait, they were pulling a prank here. <laughs> I think uh, maybe not a prank, an unintentional prank, but it's fucking genius. Oh, that is brilliant. So they were like, dude, you got to open up your ass. So he's been fucking himself with a dildo. Uh, the, the big dildo too. Weeks, yeah. Widening his, uh, his colon here. Colin's colon. Colin's colon for cocaine that they're not even bringing. This is brilliant, yeah. Oh, that's amazing week open himself out for fuck all and i think he'd even got back with his missus god knows how he fucking kept that one from her it might we might have even boosted his relationship we might not fall out of her again but fucking hell i fuck i don't think i stopped laughing okay what would you do if you walked into the bathroom you saw me just like trying to shove this big black dildo up my ass to spread it out and you're like what the fuck's going on and i'm like hey you know my friends are gonna pay for me to go to this bachelor party i just need to widen out the uh the the you know the ring piece a bit you get the cocaine in what would your response be uh <laughs> i would just i would be like homer disappearing into the bushes <laughs> you just would not want to acknowledge it i would just close it yeah i would just close the door and just go you to just bed. wish it away i would wish it away <laughs> <laughs> Till we were there, and then when we got there, it just become funnier. But fucking hell, yeah. But yeah, that, that's uh, my story. I promise I'll send more, and I will. Uh, yeah, Rick from Leeds, not Leeds in the show, by the way, Kate. <laughs> Where I? That's where my father's from. Leeds is a bit of a shithole. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've only been there once, a long time ago, but I've been wanting to go back. Anyway, Rick, that's amazing. That's a, a hilarious story. I want to know, do you still bring it up to your friend every time um, you, you see, see him? him? You've got to. Because I would. there would be, first of all, a nickname that would come from this. Probably colon. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, or gerbil or something. Or, yeah, Richard Gere. I don't know. I would come up with something. And then I would bring it up every time I see him. You've got to. It's the law. It's the British banter law. Oh, that's amazing. Did you end up getting any gear at the uh, the stag do? Yeah, in Benidorm. Did you actually manage to pass? Is that where you? Is that where you went? Benidorm. You went <laughs> Benidorm. <laughs> Benidorm. 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 Where is that? Uh, it's in Spain, but it's basically like Blackpool. It's like Black. They moved Blackpool. It's basically like they recreated Blackpool in Spain. Uh, yeah, basically in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> if you want to describe, if you want to describe, if somebody said to me, "I'm going to give you a free holiday," I'd be like, "That's cool." Uh, do I have to open my asshole for it? They're like, "No, you don't have to open your asshole. We're just going to give you a free holiday." And then they go, "Oh, it's in Benidorm." I'm like, "I'm going to fuck myself in the asshole because I'm not going there." <laughs> I do love how the English people just kind of take over these resort towns and then make it England. And just make it England. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I almost like feel like sympathy for the locals who have to live there all the fucking year. Yeah, and then, and then have to brace themselves for the coming of the English <laughs> for like what, like a, a month during the summer. And you know they're coming. Oh. The English are fucking coming. <laughs> Anyway, people call the Sick Wrong Hotline, 323-522-4032. Once again, big ups to all the listeners out there who support us on Patreon. We do appreciate you. You are the ones keeping this show going. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. Sign up today. 
Also, uh, I, I'm working on some new Tee Public designs for the Tee Public store. Haven't quite got to it yet, uh, but I'm working on them. But if you do want to buy some Sick Wrong merch, just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop and uh, click on the picture of the Pope. Buy yourself a tea. It's probably a sale going on, I'm sure. Uh, finally, here's Sick Wrong Song of the Week. So last night, Kate and I saw Merciful Fate. Yes. At, um, yeah, in, uh, in Inglewood. Quite the experience, actually, getting back to Hollywood from Inglewood. You can hear about that on the second show. But what a what a fucking great show! Fucking awesome. Yeah, it was Midnight um, Creator, who I'd never seen either, and then Merciful Fate. It was just so good. Like King Diamond, his his voice is ageless. You know, I, he's so old, and like yeah. his voice is amazing. It was perfect. Yeah, and Hank Hank Sherman, yeah, just rocking, fucking out. rocking, rocking, yeah. Oh my god! I haven't been to a show that I was that into for a long time, and they played like all their great songs. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was so much fun. Especially this one. This is an amazing song, "Dangerous Meeting," uh, first track off of "Don't Break the Oath," um, which came out in 1984. Great band. If you do get a chance to see Merciful Fate at this tour, I highly recommend it. People, happy Halloween! We'll be back next week with episode 868. Till then, take it sleazy. <laughs>
Whenever Halloween time starts coming around, about the 1st of October, you go into the stores, you see the costumes, you see the, the mother with her little girl putting the witch's hat on her, and the little boy getting excited about getting the devil mask, and you see the candy, you see the Halloween pumpkins, you see people decorating their houses with skeletons, and all these symbols of death. You know, it only serves to bring back horrifying memories to me. Memories of death, memories of children being so abused, so ripped of everything, their character, all in the name of Satan.